Hello, fans and friends. Before we get into the rest of the podcast, I just wanted to do a little update on all of the really cool she fandom stuff that has come into the ether in the past week or so since we last recorded the podcast. Come into the etheria. Coming into the etheria. <laughs> I don't like how that sounds at all. I like it. Uh, so one of the things that just uh, premiered is called the Swiftwind Stories uh, or the Swiftwind Shorts. I don't remember the official name, but they are five minutes or less, and they are little mini cartoons about Swiftwind. They really put him at the center of these tales. Um, the first one was really cute, and it was about him training all of, uh, God, what's her kingdom's name? Plumeria. It's about him training all the Plumerians how to fight, and they're wearing unicorn horns, and they're kicking, and they're eating apples. And you saw that one, right, Eric? I did. I really recommend watching the second one because we talk a lot about Mermista and Seahawk on this show. Um, I thought I shipped them, but in this most recent Swiftwind story... I feel like she's kind of a jerk to him. I don't know if she's the most supportive partner for Seahawk. And so it would be interesting to see if that pair is going to remain. So here's the big question, though, the meta question. Are Instagram shorts canon? Who can say? I feel like they are in the sense that the name DreamWorks TV is stamped all over them and the voice actors are there and the animation quality is there. are you saying the comic I put on my Instagram stories is not canon? Uh, It is. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, The other thing that's happening in the She-Ra fandom is that Comic-Con is coming up, San Diego Comic-Con. And it was announced there's going to be an exclusive doll. I I guess I'd call them dolls, not so much action figures. Definitely dolls. It's a She-Ra and a Shadow Weaver pair. And we, uh, Eric and I, we have the first toys that came out, the Catra and She-Ra that are just hard plastic. And these are adorable. They have brushable hair. And if anyone's going to be in San Diego uh, and can pick those up for me, I have a date with Shadow Weaver. I got to braid her hair and make her look beautiful. I feel like like someone's going to pick those up for you. Uh, my good friend eBay. Oh, yeah. Steve eBay. <laughs> Steve. 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 Steve eBay, the founder of eBay. Feels like he's got everything. A true friend to us all. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome for another week to Shira Progressive of Power. I will be Eric. And I guess I'll be Lauren, as usual. You guess, just for now. Maybe you'll change next week. We'll see you next week, you never know. Well, it's very appropriate that we don't know who we're going to be because, hey, remember uh, a few weeks ago when we did uh, an actual play tribute to Larry Dottilio? You remember that. I remember. Or uh, (laughs) then a few weeks after that, we looked at the She-Ra and the Princesses of Power episode, Roll With It, which was kind of about role-playing. Well, we're going to keep that train a rolling, uh, <laughs> a rolling, get it? Uh, because today we're joined by a couple of game designers, one of whom reached out to us on Twitter uh, to say that she had created an RPG inspired by She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, and she really wanted to playtest it with us. Please welcome uh, Quinn Blyler, and in the studio with us today, 
Keisha Howard. Uh, because we're going to play for the honor and we're going to spend most of the episode on that because it is She-Ra related, Keisha, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about your game first. We were talking about it off mic and I'm into it because it is political. Uh, sort of, but you know, really, so the game is called uh, Project Violacia and um, Violacia, Violacia, you can pronounce it either way. It's a purple flower, but it's sort of a provocative sounding word. Anywho, I uh, chose this because I wanted to talk about technology, biology, and humanity. Um, And I also want to talk about unintended consequences. And I wanted a game that people could see themselves being a part of that was close enough to what we're all talking about that there was no barrier of entry to playing. So when you think about tabletop RPGs, a lot of people are intimidated as adults to just sit around a table and use their imaginations to really play a game. And I wanted to invite other demographics into this space, you know, people who don't normally see themselves as an individual that will enjoy a tabletop RPG. So it's set about, you know, 40 or 50 years into the future. And uh, it's definitely taking uh, part of what we're going through today and we're playing through some of the solutions as to how we would solve problems in the future. So um, I'm really, really proud of it. It's definitely a community effort of all different types of people contributing their stories and their imagination. And this has allowed other people to be inspired to do the same. So I'm I'm just really excited. And uh, I hope that we beta test it a lot more. So um, you're being a lot more professional and a lot more gentle than uh when we were talking about Uh off mic. I just want to point out that the start of the story is about a president of the United States getting assassinated. But we don't know which one. It could be anybody. It's your nervous to put this out into the world. Hi everybody. I'm back. And Eric has came. I don't want to get investigated by the FBI. See, that's why I got gentle. (laughs) Right. We don't want to end up on a list. Right. But the thing is, Lauren doesn't care. Apparently, Eric and I are probably all. Already on a list is the thing. Mm. Given the things we, that we've said on this show, we've been on same. the list for a while. <laughs> uh, it's available for people to see. It's not available for people to buy just yet, but people can participate in it, which is wh- what I, I'm really um, excited about. It's a biopunk sort of cyberpunk game, um, and we have a lot of provocative sort of story elements in it. Um, and you know, I, I'm definitely inspired by today's sort of risk takers who are really sort of pushing the envelope to have more inclusive and accessible, you know, games like this. So uh, this is just an exciting time. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, our community's initiatives will be successful. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, I will tell you more about the story if you want to hear it. But I'm also really excited to talk about she Uh, We will certainly circle back probably at the end of this to a little bit more about Keisha's game. Uh, But we have Quinn on the line, and this is a She-Ra show. So if you're excited for She-Ra, then so are we. Quinn, how did you initially find our show, I guess? (laughs) Well, so it was a funny thing. Um, I was watching, I was like binging the first season, and there was a, I think it was like, a chain of like two days 
that I was watching it and then I played a game uh, called The King is Dead, which is a, another Firebrands framework game, um, and then went back and kept watching it. And I think the dance, like Princess Prom happened, and I was like, this this is the Firebrand stuff. This is it's happening. They wrote this this episode with this game. And then I was like, I should write this game. And so I was writing the game and was having a little bit of like, what happened in that episode? Or how do I want to think about this? I need some other perspectives and just searched She-Ra in the, my podcast app. And y'all came up and I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> like, I've got it. And so I started listening and haven't stopped. And that's it. It helped me write this game. Uh, y'all show really helped me push it. Do you uh, hear all that excitement place. in her voice? I'm, I I love it. I'm really stoked on all of this. Oh. So. That's really sweet. Is this the first game that you created? Um, no. So I've got a couple of games, actually. Um, For the Honor is the first game that I've written fully on my own um, and designed and made and all that stuff. Um, but I also have a game called uh, Songs for the Dusk, which I am writing with my co-author, uh, Kavita, who's amazing. Um, and it's like a ooh, uh, like post-post-apocalyptic kind of destiny or I'm trying to think what else. Uh, but like basically way after an apocalypse, you society is building itself up again and you as players have a chance to build something better than what existed before and to help people and to do mutual aid. And it's a game about a, a group of people doing a bunch of really good work and, and making a better future. Um, it's beautiful and I really love working on it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. songs for the dusk is great. And then on Monday, I just released a game called lightning kiss, which is, uh, a game where you play the five minutes leading up to a first kiss. Oh. Um, and it's, it's very sweet and romantic. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the second game that I've ever written fully by myself. I saw uh, that when I was internet stalking you, I'm like, this kind of looks <laughs> really fun to play. It's, 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 it's so sweet and pleasant. Yeah. It's cute. It kind of just fell out of me this weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I need to write this. And, you know, being a songwriter, the that game took on a lot of lyricality that I'm really pleased with. But, um, yeah, so those are my three games right now. That's lovely. So wh- what yeah. is the, the process like of... Uh... Of kissing for the first time. No, just kidding. Uh, I don't know. Play yet. my game, Lightning Kiss. <laughs> Call me Drew Very Barrymore. Good. If you haven't done it, that's a, it's a good way to start to see if it's right for you. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, Use role play to test the boundaries of reality. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. For the honor is very yeah. obviously uh, based on She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. What yeah. was it about She-Ra that made you want to design a game? I think, I mean, so I was born in the 90s and grew up, but I think I was catching reruns of like She-Ra and Masters of the Universe. And I saw the, you know, all of that stuff. And so I had kind of this nostalgia place in me for this show. And then the Netflix show happened, the DreamWorks show. And I, I think it was just the way that it focuses on relationships and how it's a little bit messy, um, the way that the the factions kind of interplay and the questions that it raised just felt like a perfect place to set a game. Um, I kind of like fell head over heels for the show. And this is the way that I had to express that, I guess. Um, It's just, yeah, you know, 
magical people being very powerful and uh, finding friendship is is a great place to have a game be hopeful and optimistic and all that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Before uh, we got on the line with you, I was just having my own little conversation with Keisha about how we both would have loved to have had this version of She-Ra when we were kids. Uh, we ask all of our guests this. Keisha, when did you get into She-Ra? Was it recent? Was it long ago? Uh, it was definitely recently. Um, I was bored one night, and I was just like, ah, I'm going to give She-Ra a chance. Like, every now and then, I challenge myself to just not be in my bubble, and I'm just like, okay, pretty blonde girl saving the world. This is not going to apply to me at all, but I'm going to give it a shot. And I watched it, it expecting it to not to to not be able to find any anything that resonated with me and so much of it resonated with me. I was like, "Oh my god, the characters, the the types of interactions, the 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 healthy sort of ways the story explores conflict resolution, especially amongst women, the 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 way it explores, you know, uh, how complex emotions are and how complex relationships are. Um, I was just floored by how well it was written. I I had no, I had you know, and it, it's still for you know, in my opinion, still very kid friendly. But there was something that was like unlocked in me, and I'm just like, wow, you know that quote, like be the person you needed as a kid. Well, this was the show I would have needed as a kid, just to like sort of ground me in the idea that I really could do anything and I really could have all these sort of connections with all these different types of people. So um, it, it really kind of touched me in that way. And I, I just found it to be uh, refreshing uh, as far as the the sort of content that we're exposed to and I'm just like man like in that moment I wanted a daughter just to like be proud of her watching She-Ra like yeah you go watch She-Ra leave me alone (laughs) be quiet somewhere and go watch She-Ra and like how safe that feels to think about like that's a weird thing I don't have a daughter and I don't know if I would necessarily raise her on Netflix, but if I did... (laughs) This is your top choice. Right? (laughs) Yeah, we actually haven't had, I don't think, any parents on the show um, that talked about parenthood explicitly in relation to the show, which is kind of a bummer. Greg Greg did a little bit. Greg did. Greg's a special uh, circumstance. He also created the show, so his (laughs) kids can watch the show in, like, first drafts. Um, I'd love to hear about that in general. I feel like this is like a really cool show for parents of of young girls. But I get the feeling in the next couple of episodes we're going to talk a lot more about that. Probably. Why? What do you know? Have you been to the future? Well, I know we're going to have a nanny on a future episode, and we're also talking to people about their non-traditional family relationships. So I think I can see into the future mm-hmm. a little bit. All right. We're bre- breaking news. Fran Drescher's on the next episode of <laughs> She-Ra Progressive of Power. Uh, well, what if? let's get what into if? this game. Yeah. So my my elevator pitch here, the, the quick one, is uh, it's like She-Ra. But if you were creating the story using Mario Party 
and it's a role-playing game. Um, so it's a bunch of mini games that all work together to create a story, a narrative arc, uh, what feels like a couple of episodes of, you know, She-Ra or any other kind of cartoon in that way. Um, this one's specifically She-Ra, but you could play other, other stories with it for sure. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a GM-less game, so everybody's kind of responsible for creating the world, but there's a lot of world built into this game. Um, I swear it's I, it, it's all mine, original, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> for any so, copyright hawks out there, it's yeah. purely Quinn. Yeah, it's purely me. We've got the Rebellion and the Legion and the Kingdoms are uh, three factions in this. But so... Um, yeah, it's it's a very loose, easy to get into game. The Firebrand's framework is like meant to be played at a party. You can just like sit down with a couple of index cards and pencils and play a game um, really casually, which is really awesome. It's super low entry point. Um, there's no like stats or anything like that. Should I read this introduction? Avera is a land full of magical people, fantastical beasts, and mystical kingdoms. It is studded with ancient ruins left behind by a long-lost civilization. It has always been a peaceful realm. That was until about 12 years ago when Legion came down from the stars and began to colonize the planet. Their expansion was swift and brutal. Caught on the back foot, the kingdoms of Athera gathered all of their most powerful magic users, called princesses, and forged the first princess accord. TMTM. Unified, they were successful in beating the Legion back to their stronghold. Sadly, their final assault ended in tragedy. The Princess Accord shattered, and the kingdoms turned to isolation. It has been 12 years, and a new generation of princesses is beginning to see the need for another accord. The Legion has been attacking towns again, the kingdoms are sending out dance invitations, and the Tangled Woods have been getting stranger and stranger. You, the princesses and warriors of factions at odd, there's another S there, at odds, <laughs> will fight, quarrel, and flirt in your efforts to sway Athera in your favor. It's a game for about three to six players. It plays best with four. Um, we're lucky we have that right now. Um, the game generally takes about two hours or maybe an hour per player is kind of a more honest way to talk about it because there's a lot of floundering when you're looking at games. Um, but uh, it's... um. How play kind of works is you pick a game and pick another player and play that game with that player and go around the table and each of you does that. And so you might start off meeting Blade to Stave and you're in a battle and then we cut somewhere else to some other characters who are having a, an intense conversation, um, mincing words or maybe even talking over a meal or something like that. And then that conversation might move into a chase or a dance um, and we play through that and the game kind of builds in that way and each of those is a separate game um, that is a beat in the plot of the larger story and by the end of it we see where all of our uh, factions alignments are if people have like turned on the legion per se which might be a cool thing to do um, and then have a big battle and end off end the episode is kind of the deal um yeah it's uh it tells a very dynamic story um it ends up feeling very like you planned it even though it's all by the seat of your pants the entire way <laughs> that's beautiful and we're gonna run through at least one game on this show if not an uh we want everyone will get to play obviously and speaking of uh lord and i 
have made characters, and Quinn, I assume you have a character you're partial to, but for the audience, we'd love to walk Keisha through character creation, because I think it would be very helpful to have a sense of how that works in this game. It definitely uh, looks like a pretty easy process, in that you provide us with a lot of helpful lists, and it's more or less choosing things from lists, which I think makes it very accessible to maybe people who haven't designed a tabletop character before. So the first thing in our packet is choosing a faction. Mm -hmm. And giving yourself three traits. Each faction has a a number of traits that go along with it that are kind of the the folks that are aligned with them, essentially. So tell Uh us uh, about these factions that are totally not from She-Ra. Totally not from She-Ra at all. Lauren, you're going to get us in trouble with this Yeah, you're going (laughs) to... Yeah, you've got an energy about you today. (laughs) That energy is beers. No. (laughs) I'm loving it. No, that's staying. I have the power of editing. Yeah, it's good. So we have the Rebellion, um, who... uh, is a group that is working against, it's the last frame of the resistance against the evil legion, um, as they have it written. Um, as a member of the rebellion, you would be working to convince members of the kingdom to aid in your efforts to thwart the legion's plans. Um, if you're a member of the legion, uh, you are part of a force that has invaded this world, um, and is taking it over and, uh, I don't know, uh, doing the things that invading colonizing forces do. Um, and you're working to take things from the rebellion in that uh, faction and gain fealty from the kingdoms. Um, and then the kingdoms are kind of our centrist option almost, um, which is uh, kind of a, a, you know, all of the, the groups on the outside that can be recruited into either other faction or stay neutral or apart or start their own whole thing um and the kingdoms basically get to be wooed by members of the legion and the rebellion towards one side or the other of this conflict um and uh and listen there are good people on both sides (laughs) there are good people on both sides oh wow (laughs) sure no no (laughs) but um yeah, you can be a princess anywhere. That was a, another big important part of this game is that anybody can be a princess. Anybody can be a princess, and it's important. And also not a princess. we got to have those bows, too, you know? What what jumps out to you? Well, I def- the rebellion definitely uh, jumped out to me because that's, that's what I am in my soul. So, uh, and I also named myself Q. And my pronoun would be she or her. And um, yeah, so part of the rebellion is that you get to choose three traits and you, you had some really amazing, am- amazing things to choose from. So my three traits are idealistic, unpredictable, and fiery. Ooh. I know, right? Um, and, uh, I also, you have a list of abilities to choose from and you get to choose two. So I chose teleportation and telepathy. Wow. And let's note that the abilities are not faction specific. So anyone from any faction can have up to two abilities. And I like that your game, uh, equates magic and like physical prowess. So there's not really an edge. It kind of, it gives you the space to be creative with whatever type of character you want. 
Yeah, it was something I watching the show. It's like everybody's magic falls apart at some point in the same way that Bo runs out of arrows, right? Glimmer runs out of energy to do things. And they're both really powerful and like really, really rad. Um, and so, yeah, just having a grab bag of things like claws or glitter or hacking or all of that for characters to pick from. It feels right, you know? <laughs> I'm a big fan of the fact that throughout your instructions, you inject a bunch of just kind of support language. Not only is it magic being just as fun and powerful as physical abilities, but even in the beginning you have principles laid out and you say, be a fan of each other. Um, it just seems like the vibe of this game is very much like the vibe of She-Ra, which is friendship and unity is at the core. Uh, Lauren, who are you playing? So uh, <laughs> earlier today I said, I think I want to be a princess of a kingdom. And Eric was like, yeah, but what about in the game though? <laughs> 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 that's me always. Uh, and so I've chosen to be, uh, I've called her Princess Stoneheart, which is a, a, Game, of Thrones, it's a Game of Thrones reference to a, a Game of Thrones plot that didn't make it into the show, and I'm still bitter about it. Uh-oh. Uh, her name is Princess Stoneheart from the Kingdom of Historia, and she is strict, radiant, and blunt, surprising no one. Uh, and her powers are going to be stone. <laughs> if it wasn't, that would be really funny, though. Uh, stone and portals. And her kingdom is uh, named Historia because they're responsible for documenting the history of the world by making monuments and museum facilities and other sort of artifacts that capture important figures and important events from the past. She's super resistant to join either side of the war because one of the reasons she finds monuments and history and memory so important is that she doesn't want to be doomed to repeat it. She doesn't want there to be another war. She doesn't want to have to make more statues or more graves. And so She's very reluctant to be a part of this. Uh, the portals are what her kingdom uses to transport the products that they make. And so once they make a statue in their kingdom, it is transported via portal to wherever it is going. She sees her magic as very utility and would rather not harm anybody with it if she doesn't have to. How much of yourself did you put in this character? <laughs> <laughs> this, the, the line is very blurry. <laughs> They call this bleed. <laughs> also, you I got to bring yourself to role playing, you guys. I know. Mm -hmm. We forgot a thing. Um, I noticed on the character card, you're, so all, you're all supposed to have a look. So what does your, your princess Stoneheart look like? Um, I put the least effort into that. I think, though, I would generally say uh, the closest I imagine her to is Angela. Uh, but very, like, Greek-inspired, both in the architecture of her kingdom and the sort of drapey clothes she wears. I'm going kind of ancient Greece in my mind. All right. How about you? Uh, definitely femme fatale, dark colors, cat suit. How much, <laughs> how much of yourself did you put in this character, <laughs> So for me kind of doing exactly what I did with our last actual play. I just lifted a character wholesale from the universe. <laughs> I'm playing, uh, I'm in the Legion, 
Uh, my character's name is Sunder. You might remember from episodes of the show, uh, the original Shira, Unexpected Ally. He's a very kind of surprisingly noble uh, general for the bad guys. He he has a code of ethics. He um, he's uh, my traits I picked were conflicted, perceptive, and brave because he is a good soldier, but he also is anti-cruelty and and does kind of live very nobly. So we'll see how that does for Sunder. And my abilities were tactics and sword fighting, uh, which is tight. And then he looks like he was designed by Bruce Timm, because he was very square-jawed, uh, <laughs> like proto-Batman, but in Greek armor. Oh, we're doing a whole Greek thing. That's great. That's incredible. How about you, Quinn? Um, oh, I've got to make a choice right now. I think we, I'm gonna... we purposefully did the trifecta so you could be whatever you want. Hell yeah. That's so kind. Um, I think the problem is that my, my main character also uses portals. So I think we're just going to have a lot of portals in portal this, fight. this episode. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a portal fight. It'll be rad. Um, I'm going to be playing my example character from the book because I love her. Um, Celestra, uh, princess of the kingdom of stars. Um, who so I'll be a kingdom's character um angsty careless and creepy I think I'm keeping those um and she uses small like basketball sized portals uh into space to pull like temperatures or meteorites or whatever through to fight or she can also uh teleport herself to places using that um kind of by doing a, a real quick suitless spacewalk. Um, and uh, yeah, she her look is kind of uh, like blue velvet um, embroidered with like gold embroider- embroidered with like celestial patterns. So like moons and constellations. Um, she has matching like ankle boots with uh, the kind of stars motif going on. Um, and I think a little mesh cape, if I recall correctly. Um, and uh, yeah. That's that's Celestra. That's who I'll be playing. I so love that creepy is an optional trait for <laughs> your kingdom characters. That's great. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Gotta represent us creeps. Mm-hmm. What? I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Lauren, stop trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was just sitting here. <laughs> your eyes said it all. <laughs> she wasn't even looking at me. Just so we're clear. So, I guess the thing to look at is um, we start by creating and introducing our characters, which we have done, right? Nailed it. Um, and then once we've done that, we start out with a game of Discover Something New, which is a really quick. It's, it's choosing something from a list. Um, our favorite thing to do here. Uh, and Discover Something New will then give us something to move towards, kind of a goal. It's like the, you know there's the data disc underneath the kingdom of ice or there's the magical sword that is found in the middle of the woods or there's a kingdom that's on fire now and we don't know why or a legion transport has gone missing those kinds of things right plot events um that get our story rolling a little bit um and then as we're playing we'll take turns around the table we'll figure out a turn order i don't it's it's not super important and then we'll choose a partner and then we'll play one of the games and we'll read through those rules when we get to that game so who wants to discover something lauren you start so it says uh um conducting discover something new choose an option from any section and read it aloud to the other players this represents items and events and actions that will give direction and conflict to the game um and then after you've 
decided the one that you want. We can all take a few moments to think about how our characters might be related to that. Maybe it's one of our kingdoms, if a kingdom is mentioned, or it's, you know, something that one of our characters has or is dealing with. Um, so, yeah, whatever you like to pick, whatever jumps out at you. So one jumps out at me, which is going to make my character look like a real bitch. And so that's the one I'm going with. Uh, under ki- Hell yeah. <laughs> under kingdoms, I would like to say that an isolated <laughs> settlement is being tormented by monsters of their own creation. Ooh. And the thing is... <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> okay. Our own personal demons. No, the thing is... Princess Stoneheart, the way I've written her is so um, isolationist and so hands-off and just sort of wants to document what happens and not participate in it, that no matter how she hears about this, I think she kind of takes a an uncool stance of blame. Like, you created these creatures, you deal with it. What are you calling me for? But it might be interesting if someone else is connected to this moment, because otherwise this is just a story of how someone called for help and I did nothing. Maybe my kingdom is neighboring. I see it being on the top of a mountain. Um, the kingdom of stars. Clo- close to the stars, you know? Um, so perhaps we're nearby and trying to send aid, or maybe the rebellion is here trying to help. Ooh. That uh, we could we could make that the portal plot really, like the kingdom that's in trouble called all of the kingdoms that could use portals to say please send us aid or troops you know use your portals to help us, and my kingdom said no that's not how we use portals they're not for violent intervention and your kingdom was like yeah sure and made ours look real bad. <laughs> that's cruel it's the conflict of what portals are used for uh, yeah that works for me what are my monsters I'll have to think about that maybe the yeah. legion's there to see about these monsters and if, if they can be used for um, oppressive purposes elsewhere great <laughs> <laughs> rounding them up and taking them to be soldiers well because also if I liberate the kingdom I seem like a hero and then I can use the monsters to crush my enemies. It's a win-win. How? I thought this was supposed to be a noble guy. Well, but he buys the party line at the start, you know? <laughs> okay. Plus, he, he's, in a, he's like helping people. But there's always that militaristic part of your brain, right? I imagine if you're a trained soldier that's like, think about these assets and what they could do if used against our enemies. Now I'm here for it. Rebellion? I, we just have to make sure that it's not a threat to our goals for, you know, making sure that we can do the things that we need to do. So, like, are these monsters only going to affect your kingdom? Is it isolated to you? Do we need to, you know, jump into action immediately? Do I need to call the other princesses to help me figure out what the, the, the course of action is for your kingdom? And what are the sort of conflicts that are going to come up because we're all trying to decide what to do with something that we that hasn't necessarily affected us yet. Well, if it's a if it follows the path of a Shira episode, I would have to imagine that somehow the rebellion hears that the legion is after those monsters and you wouldn't in any way want them to have them. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> the Legion can't have the monsters. What are the monsters, then? If the whole game is this one plot, 
what have you done? Kingdom of, of outer space, kingdom of the stars. Outer spatia. <laughs> outer spatia. Outer spatia. <laughs> what, is, what has outer spatia done? <laughs> Thank you for that. That was good. Um, I'm sorry. What have we created? Um, I like the idea of it being some kind of like star creature that is, is just casting this light everywhere that is like burning things. Um, it was some, like we pulled something down from the heavens that we shouldn't have. Um, I like that. I think I'm going with that. Um, where do we want to see this story go? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking I have an idea for a first game. Pitch it. Um, I was thinking that maybe I should mince words with Princess Stoneheart. Set up. Only you and your chosen partner plays. Um, which I think it's just the two of us arguing about portals here. Um, <laughs> decide together how you came to be sharing a tense conversation. Do we think that this is Celestra coming down to be like, yo, what the heck's up? Like, <laughs> or yeah, basically, like. Basically, I mean, someone probably had to come down and say, why didn't you answer our call? Because it was a pretty savage and obvious rejection, I think. If you, if you sent up the SOS and we went, mm, no, thank you. That's not going to go unnoticed. What if I was in in your kingdom, like hanging out in town, shopping, whatever, and we cross paths and after I had gotten this news and this is me trying to convince you otherwise? Uh, sure. I'm going to basically pretend I don't see you. <laughs> That's great. That's perfect. Um, Eric, why the are you shade, The shade. The shade. So cruel. Gotta, it's so cruel. It's perfect. This is what this game conflict, is for. Okay. There's got to be juicy conflict. <laughs> This is, it's perfect. You're doing a perfect job. Um, so, um, next, decide yourself what, if any, feelings or ideas your character might be holding in secret. Um, what do I notice about you? You notice that I am doing a very heavy-handed and poor job of, like, not making eye contact and trying to quickly walk away. I think I probably have an entourage and I'm kind of like ducking behind them and it's very obvious to you that I do not want to have this conversation. <laughs> what do I notice about you? I seem very nonchalant about this, I think. There's like a a, a kind of apathetic like just like I I've got to go home, I guess. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, a kind of feeling about me. This is the angstiest fan fiction. I know, yep. right? This, I, this character, the my, the first way that I wrote Celestra down was "What if Glimmer, but goth?" Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going in. I'm leaning into that. Um, so, um, during the conversation, anyone else can ask for details about the location and the circumstances um, happening around us. Um, and so we're pulling questions from a leading questions list. Yeah. So what this this page looks like here is we've got one side that is rules and then one side that is a bunch of prompts um, that are things like hiding things that you're saying or, you know, asking someone bluntly to explain themselves. Um, and we're, that will drive our, our little story here, as you'll see in a second. So to start things off, the character with the most to hide begins um, if you don't know which of us that is, then we can throw a coin. But it sounded like you had something to hide. Sure, I guess so. It's um, definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> the room gets to, like, read my body language. It makes this way funnier. 
it's very I, I'm I'm at a disadvantage and it's going to be great. <laughs> so the OK, the character with the most to hide begins. I speak in character, then ask a leading question. But I want to get away from you. Damn. Um, okay, so <laughs> I, I'm going to pick off this list. <clears throat> I jab a quick insult at you, hoping to break <sighs> skin, saying, I heard news from your kingdom. Shouldn't you be at home right now? And is that miles off, or does it sting? I am reading off the, the sheet, by the way. Yes. I think that it just grazes past me. I kind of shrugged that off. I'm like, yeah. Um, I appeal to you with earnest uh, compassion saying, you should come help. I think we could really use it. Uh, I don't see why I'd be obligated to help you in any way. Uh, it is my understanding that the creatures in question here were brought down by you. So why on earth would that have anything to do with my kingdom when we were just minding our own business? Uh, and I think maybe, maybe that's a I let slip a truth that you didn't want to hear. And I basically say, you did this to yourselves. Does that provoke you or does it give you pause? I think that it provokes uh, provokes me. <laughs> I think that uh, Celeste's like, I didn't, I didn't bring them down and they could hurt other people. Like, I'm helping too. I just wanted to see if you wanted to like hang out or come along or something. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> reframe that for you. Uh, yeah, I overreach slightly, and you have an opportunity to slip in a quick jab, saying <laughs> um, what I just said. Do you take it? Uh, <clears throat> no, because I think. She's very surprised that there would be any personal or emotional interest in her companionship at all. So I'm going to go with, I'm so lost in conversation that I stumble a bit on the terrain, losing my balance. Do you catch me or do you let me fall? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> right? We're here. Um, I think that Celestia catches you. That's sexy um, very fast. <laughs> yeah, it happens. This game does that. <laughs> Watch out. It'll sneak up on you. Um, uh I think that how this looks is uh, like I'm probably a couple of steps behind you and then you'd like trip looking back trying uh, like kind of questioning this and then like I reach through a portal and catch you like <laughs> by your hand in front of you <laughs> um, and like set you back onto your feet and then like as I'm doing that walking back towards or like closing the distance between us. I'm loving uh, how you bought the portal back. Yeah. Like you guys are standing right next to each other, obviously in the marketplace, and you still yeah. used a portal. God, overuse them, you know. <laughs> Got to use those magics. Well, uh, what what's your response to me catching you? I guess is the question that I should ask right now. Well, if I wanted to move the conversation, I th mm -hmm. I think I'm going to metagame a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, I could role play. Until the cows come home, yeah, I am disinterested in this, and it's going to take a long time to convince me. But we're burning through questions pretty fast, and I think the spirit of the game is to like tell a story efficiently like you would see in a cartoon. There wouldn't be a 20-minute mm -hmm. conversation in a cartoon. It right. would be three minutes. So I wouldn't reveal this normally. I'm talking through the people at home. 
The secret, <laughs> the secret that I wrote down was that uh, I'm actually curious about what else portals can do and be used for. There's always been like a secret, quiet mm-hmm. curiosity that maybe we could be doing more with these than our society has deemed fit. And given that you just did that really cool thing, like reaching your arm through and catching me, I'm going to basically take that as if it were your dialogue and say, Mm -hmm. uh, you bring up something that I really hope you wouldn't and you can see it on my face. Do you delight in my discomfort or do you regret it? I think that I, I, I think that it's a feeling like more in the regret place of like Celeste feels a little bit strange about using that magic so quickly um, and and like maybe showing a little too much of her hand in this moment. I, I think that uh, she, she feels a little bit bad about it, um, that that she's hits struck on something for you. OK, so I've caught you. You have this look go across your face. Um, I think that like walking up, closing the distance, like help you back up to your feet. Um, after having caught you and like removed the portal and then I'm about to say something and we are interrupted before we can get or we can reach a satisfying conclusion do you try to get in one last word or do you leave it for now I think that there is up on the mountain above this kingdom which is where my kingdom is there is just like a huge explosion of flames that I can see in the distance like a huge sound hits us a couple of seconds after a bright light um and uh uh I look, I have the look in my face of like, oh, I really should get going. <laughs> have you guys been watching Chernobyl? <laughs> well, I, I, guess, I guess I would say to like save face and keep the decorum mm-hmm. up, I would get one last word in, but all it is is I will think about it. And that's it. Scene. Scene. Let's cut it there. <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, that's great. So Fantastic. We, we made it. <laughs> we did. We got through. And now that we know how that goes, I think maybe a game with our other two players, and then yeah. we can just sort of talk about how the rest of this could go. Uh, Eric is I, ready. I love that. Yeah. I feel like I know the game I want to play, but Quinn, obviously, uh, correct me if there's a better option, but I feel like the, the rebel scum and I should uh, meet Ooh. Blade to stave. Nothing personal. I'm just in character. Uh-oh. Although I wouldn't call you scum. I would say the, the misguided rebel. So Blade to Stave is uh, basically what it sounds like. You are, you are meeting um, in a moment of violence against each other um, and, and uh, you know, fighting one-on-one. Um, so you'll do a duel. Um, each of you will ask uh, alternating leading questions back and forth, which are things like, we lock up and your mouth is near my ear. What do you say to me to, I hit you cutting a lo- you across the, uh, the rib or across the arm. Do you withdraw and run or do you rejoin the fight? And it's all of these uh, little prompts of what the battle is doing. Um, and you'll take turns going back and forth in that until you feel like you want to ask a closing question. Um, some of those closing questions don't actually end the duel and some of the leading questions can end the duel. Um, it just kind of depends on what you want from your story. So, um, yeah, uh, we start out by um, you two, or yeah, you two will decide how you came to be standing alone on the edge of violence. It's because sometimes violence is the answer. Man, it's terrible. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you, uh, you, you opted for this, so like, I'm going to let you pitch how we are now coming to this conflict. Yeah, so I think uh, 
I think that we've both received word of the trouble in this kingdom, and we've come for opposite reasons. You to maybe score some noble points and uh, and help a, a populace that's in trouble, and probably more more than likely to make sure that I can't do the same and score points and maybe get a hold of these horrible burning monsters. Although I'm not sure that we understand precisely what they are. We just know that trouble is afoot. And so I think we've arrived simultaneously to assess the situation and turn it to our respective factions' advantage. What do I notice about you? Um, Well, I appear to be unarmed, but you know that might be misleading. I don't necessarily uh, seem very... Uh, intimidated by your presence. I seem very confident that I will move beyond you very quickly. So you have a bit of a reputation, I'm gathering. We might know each other. We might. At least by by tail. (laughs) So what do I notice about you, Sunder? I mean, kind of same. Uh, I rode in on a horse. I'm very, very staid, very calm, uh, very poised. And uh, sitting upright and straight. Old Town Road is, is just I know. blaring in my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. Lauren, <laughs> she just completely, I was like almost guffawed into this. <laughs> Riding on a horse. <laughs> the horse is in the back. Are you guys talking Bon Jovi? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a, I'm hip. I've got a sword at my side, uh, a blaster on my hip as well. Although you probably know of me that I prefer not to use it. Uh, and I'm kind of kind of glaring at you trying to assess what I think is about to happen. Okay. Yes. So to open the duel, you will ask a leading question. The more experienced combatant will begin. That's tough. Uh, That's definitely, that definitely appears to be Sunder. Although you certainly have a reputation as well. All right. I'm going to review these questions right quick. I strike you not with violence, but with words. The words being something to the effect of... (laughs) You know we're the legitimate ruling power of Aethera. You know we have a right to be here and deliberate this population. You and your criminal ilk have nothing to offer these poor people that my army cannot. Do those words give you pause or do they provoke you? Well, they provoke me because as a telepath, I detect that you might not believe what you just said completely. So it makes me mad that you had the audacity to say such things to me, knowing that they're not true. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And then? Now you ask a leading question. Okay. I press an attack and you barely evade it a fraction slower, and you'd been struck through. Does it exhilarate you or chill you? (laughs) I would say um, a mix of both because I'm frightened that your fierceness seems to have come out of nowhere, but also interested that perhaps we can meet on the battlefield as equals. And so we circle, powers crackling, arms at the ready. What do you say to me? You know that there is something inside of you. You know that you're fighting on the wrong side of this. I am here to help this kingdom, and there is something very dangerous and powerful here. Do not waste my time. Let me go and accomplish my mission. 
You lash out at me with all the power you've got, blasting me until I'm singed and tattered. Do you let up or lay in, knocking me on my back? I let up. Clearly you've seen what my power can do. This is but a taste of the might of the Legion army. Please return to your people. I would regret any unnecessary losses this day. Is it that you would regret unnecessary losses or you know that I'm right and you don't want to be violent toward me? All right, <laughs> let's, let's push it. I catch your wrist in my hand and draw you close to me. Do you let your guard drop or do you shove me away this and fight on? This game is so sexy. Every scene keeps getting sexy. I feel like a teenager sexy. again. <laughs> There's princesses and they're smooching. This is happening on the battlefield. There's, there's, there's an energy to this game. It can be played without it, but it is there. <laughs> it was a tactical grab and pull close. I let my guard drop, and I just look into your eyes because I know that this is not what you really want to do. Let's go into the village together. And do what's right, because this power is too much for any of us to handle. We need to make sure that people are safe. And if it gets into the wrong hands, then there will be more consequences than what either side can handle. I'm going to pretend to falter and pull an attack. Do I draw you out, or do you recognize the ploy and hold steady? No. I hold steady. Uh, you take a chance and maneuver an attack inside my guard. If you press on, you will knock me out. Do you press on, or do you allow me to step back and recover myself? And this is a closing question for mm -hmm. those listening without the document. I just got to knock you out. So <laughs> I, I know I got time for this. Uh, like, you already, you already know. Hopefully, you'll come to later and understand that my way is the best way. Uh, we don't have time for this. Uh, there's people that are in danger and Sunder, I know that deep down in your heart that you are for the people. Do what's right for the kingdom and not what's right for power. Whoosh. But later, after after I knock you out. Yeah, I just yeah you'll wake up. You'll knocked wake out up. rhetorically and literally. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> destroyed. That was, Dang. that was a sweet battle. Yeah, it was. All right. I, okay, I love it. I agree with Lauren. So yeah, we should talk through how the rest of this might look now that we've minced words and swords. How how you'd get to the end of this um, is we would figure out how we wanted the next couple of beats of the story to go, um, and then perhaps get distracted when all of our characters are here by one of these creatures attacking, and then maybe we would fight them together or fight each other um either using stand united or an all-out battle is kind of how i would see that going um i'm trying to think if there's something more that needs to happen here but um that's that's what i know so do all playthroughs involve all 12 games or or is it kind no. of organic yeah it's very organic you can play the same game as many times as you want you can uh really just take it as it comes um i've i've had a lot of uh real quick ones where it's been like five games and we've told a story um, where it all kind of runs into each other. Uh, yeah. It's, it, they're all just tools essentially in a toolbox rather than a list that you work through. Um, 
That's amazing. It involves a lot of agreement uh, because there were a lot of especially closers that sort of just make the other person accept something, especially in that battle scene. It's like, I mm-hmm. knock you out. And the other person doesn't really get a say in it. They just kind of get to say, yep, in the story, that's what happens next. I got KO'd. And so you really have to be with uh, an open-minded and sort of kind group of people. You're not trying to win. You're trying to put on a good show for each other. Exactly. Exactly. You're telling a good story. A lot of it is like for that, specifically for that prompt, um, it's like all of the moments where something would happen to your character putting your character in the vulnerable place and seeing how somebody else reacts to you. So that, that one is like, if you press on, you'll knock me out. Right. Um, and so you're giving them the option to, you've made a choice that you're okay with being knocked out and you're giving them the option to say whether or not they do that to you. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of that kind of, uh, you're taking care of each other. There's a lot of safety mechanics built into the game as well as, um, on top there's lines and veils, um, and an X card that we probably, we will figure that out if we do need it, but it seems like we're in a good place with tone. Um, but there's a lot of safety mechanics to make sure that you're in a safe group. Um, and if you know people well, then you can tell a lot of really cool stories, um, but you can do it with a new group or, you know, new players and all that stuff. I really like how uh, it does feel just competitive enough. Like it really did feel like mm-hmm. I was sparring with Keisha and that she genuinely like outthought me, but in a way that was like very supported by the games and, but also just by like a normal, like the casual, you know, the normal relationship we have of just two people talking to each other, which was yeah. really cool. Uh, I thought it struck a good balance there. And you super won that duel. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you, you destroyed that duel. <laughs> it was amazing to watch. I mean, he, he gave me too many prompts. So, like, I know Eric and the character is, you know, um, Sander in and of himself is prone to you know, kind of doing heroic acts. So, like, I, I had that bit of information. You know, plus just watching She-Ra, nothing is quite completely a good decision or a bad decision, and they outline that so well, and you've bought that energy to the game as well. Like, there's no, like, this is just the right thing to do um, or the wrong thing to do, and all actions sort of lead to a collective end, not just, like, the hero's end or the villain's end. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, like incorporating that aspect into the game too. That's mm-hmm. such a good point. Uh, so I guess what I'd like to know is, are, is this available for people at home to enjoy or, or what's kind of your yeah. plan for it going forward? Yeah. So it, it's in development. Um, this version that we're playing right now, 0.4 is the newest version. I'd output it from InDesign last night um, and it will be up on my Itch, uh, itch.io webpage, which is uh, it's mxquin.itch.io, which is where all my games live. Um, I think this one is specifically slash for the honor beta, but the beta might be missing at that point because I think I'm going to update it. So it should just be um, mxquin.itch.io slash for dash the dash honor. Um, and it's there. It's, uh, it's going to be $10 and it's 12 games that are all built into one and it is you know it's this uh cool she-ra party game essentially that you can play real casually and quickly if you want to um yeah 
That's, that's it's I I think that I don't have too many versions before I'm going to kickstart it and make it into a book. I'm really excited, but I'm I'm not ready to announce that yet. But it is coming. That's that's really great. I know Lauren always says uh, when we have guests on like that a lot of kind of younger impressionable creative folks listen to the show and some of them maybe are uh, nervous or you know reticent to start creating things for themselves and I think this is just such a cool inspiring thing that you have made like that I don't know that anyone would have expected this uh, to exist and it's so cool that it does yeah I mean you yeah, did the- an excellent job seriously thank you yeah there was a there was a fun point on April Fool's somebody made a uh, a joke like Shira RPG coming out soon, like using yeah. the system. And I was like, yo, I'm making this game. Like it's okay. And <laughs> within like two days had a version up on a website, I think from there and then started like promoting it and getting it out there. Um, that was, that was the push that I needed. Cause before that it was just like, Oh, I've got this like Google document that I'm sharing around to my friends and we're playing this game a little bit and then it was it, it's a real thing now You're like, um, it, it feels doesn't really have good. to be a joke we don't it doesn't have to, have to it's not a joke it. it's here <laughs> like, <laughs> check it out uh, like, we did kick off the show a little bit uh, with Keisha's game Keisha if people mm-hmm. wanted to find you online or hear more about your game what are your next steps on your project um, well yeah I mean basically you can follow sugar gamers on almost any social media platform. And Project Violatia has its own site. Uh, we have a hashtag called Create Not Complain because there's so many uh, different types of people that come from marginalized spaces and they don't feel represented. But my whole thing that uh, sort of we collectively came up with, uh, you know, uh, four years ago was that we can't expect people to tell stories from a, from a space that they have not Uh, experienced. And if we want these stories to be told, we can't expect necessarily to immediately have visibility or monetary compensation for telling these stories. We just have to create it. Uh, So that's kind of how Project Violatia was born. And we've had so many different people participate and we welcome more people to participate. So um, Project Violacia has its own sort of uh, URL, which is uh, a lot of people have a hard time with the Violacia part, but V-I-O-L-E-C-E-A, sorry, Violacia. Um, ProjectViolacia.com is where you can find out more about the game, the beginnings of the game, the people who participated, and why we're doing this. Uh, we're doing this because we don't want to wait for someone to create our stories. We don't want to wait to be able to participate in these uh, types of games and and sort of experiences. So uh, we're really happy and excited for people to check us out. Um, We do a lot of things. We we come from the video game space, but also feel like video games overlap with most other uh, geek culture fandoms. So whatever it is that you like, you're most likely a gamer and you do that as well. So uh, Sugar Gamers is where to find us. I can vouch for Sugar Gamers. They're incredible. They've been uh, such a great part of the Chicago scene for, gosh, I think I met you guys in 2012 when the Nerdalogs were tabling next to you at a convention. And (laughs) so wonderful. Uh, Just such great creative energy on this episode today. Uh, So thank you all for being here. I should probably give my other... uh, uh, information because i just gave the itch right oh yeah please (laughs) um so you can follow me uh at mx underscore quinn on twitter and you can follow 
uh, For the Honor has its own Twitter, which is uh, For the Honor RPG on Twitter. Um, and I'll be posting a bunch of updates there and art that I think is related to the game and other cool stuff. Um, you can also follow uh, Songs for the Dusk um, on Twitter, which is my other game that I make with Kavi. Um, you can find that on my itch. Uh, and uh, you can find my band at OurBassistWillFightYou.com. Um, if you're into music, uh, like trans, like political, cool music that I write, um, <laughs> I, so yeah, that's, that's me. That's, that's where badass. Quinn lives. Love yeah. it. This was wonderful. Thank you for joining us yeah. via Skype from Portland. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Portland. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's nice and far. <laughs> <laughs> nice and far. But the internet brings us all together. Sometimes it's it does. Not terrible. Yes, it is. Be- Sometimes it is not terrible. That's important. That's an important point. <laughs> that is important to hear because we started this episode without Eric in the room. And Keisha and I, off mic, were complaining about how difficult it is sometimes to be like a woman in tech or a woman in gaming or a woman in the geek sphere. Or a woman. About it. Or just a woman. <laughs> just a woman, honestly. Yeah. And like there are, but there are so many positive experiences and creatives and inspiring things going on online, too. So maybe that's the lesson for today, y'all. for listening to Shira, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. So can you